Jesus must be taken head on. There's no going around him. There's no avoiding his bold claims of deity or dodging his counterintuitive teachings or his countercultural message. Hello, you're listening to the Greek to Me podcast, a daily discovery of the New Testament scriptures one word at a time. We hope today's podcast helps you better understand and appreciate God's word. Our word today is scandalon. In Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, we read, He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown among his relatives in his own household. And he came, and he could do no mighty work there, except that he lay his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. The word I want to point out is the word scandalon. It's the word offense here in verse 3. They took offense at him. Uh, we see the verb form, scandalizo, which means to, to shock or to offend. And here it's the passive form. They considered Jesus the offense. Greek is a fairly picturesque language, but over time, this word actually developed two word pictures. One is to bait a trap. The other word picture associated with the word scandalon is it's an unexpected rock in a dirt road, or perhaps a loose stone sticking out of a path, which shatters the wheel of a cart and leaves the traveler stranded. Today we might say they were triggered by him. We see the second word picture, that of the stone, in reference to Jesus in Romans 9.33. Paul is referring to the unbelief of the Jewish people, and he quotes Isaiah when he says, It is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And so by implication, we would respond, those who do not believe in him will be put to shame. They will be tripped up. They will be triggered by him. Those who take offense at him, like his own townspeople here in Nazareth, will be left spiritually stranded and trapped in their sin. This is because Jesus is not just another rock in the path to God, which is to say he is not just another teacher or rabbi. He is not just another prophet or priest or king figure. Just going around him or disregarding or disagreeing with him is not an option. And neither, by the way, is disobeying him. As it turns out, he is the path to God. More than that, he is God. This is why Isaiah calls Jesus a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Basically, you've got to go through him to get to me, is what God is saying through the prophet Isaiah. Or in the words of Jesus himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. This means you need Jesus. You need his salvation, the forgiveness only he provides, which of course means you're a sinner who needs to repent of your sin and trust in Christ as Savior. There we go. We said it. That's the offensive part. Those true words have been tripping and triggering people for the last 2,000 years. 
Sure, the message of Jesus is called the gospel, which does mean good news, but this good news of the gospel is a response. It's a remedy for the bad news, the offensive news, the, the scandalous news that you're spiritually lost. You're spiritually dead and can never be good enough or do enough good to earn eternal life. And in fact, you deserve God's just punishment for your sin. Scandalon is kind of like this. There are plenty of rocks and, for that matter, roots and other natural obstructions just waiting to trip you up on a mountain bike trail. In a way, that's why you go, right? To traverse the obstacles and hopefully enjoy the ride. I ride recreationally and I've learned that while certain things like trees or large rocks are clearly avoidable, sometimes the best way to not get tripped up on your bike is to maintain balance, keep straight, and simply go right over what you can. Hit it head on with the right speed with an eye on what's next in the trail and you'll be fine. To try to avoid these countless elements altogether would mean losing balance and inevitably going OTB or over the bars when you eventually hit a rock or a root at the wrong angle, constantly trying to avoid everything. In the same way, Jesus must be taken head on. There's no going around him. There's no avoiding his bold claims of deity or dodging his counterintuitive teachings or his countercultural message. You might think you can, but you will eventually be confronted with an inconvenient truth that is true even though you don't want it to be. And you can take offense because of how it implicates you as a sinner, sending you directly over the bars spiritually. Or, or you can embrace it, take it head on and trust him and enjoy the bumpy but invigorating ride of a lifetime and even eternity. And that comes with taking God at his word and knowing his forgiveness and his love. The Nazarenes rejected Jesus because they couldn't get past the fact that he grew up from a child there in Nazareth. And now he shows up claiming to be the fulfillment of all Hebrew scripture, the, the promised one of their faith, God himself. In a phrase, they said, who do you think you are? And they were tripped up. They were offended. They were triggered. Now that's the question, isn't it? Who does he think he is? And whether you get tripped up by the story of Jesus or you're left standing on the sure foundation of Christ depends on your answer. Does he have the authority to say what he has said in Scripture? Does he have the wisdom to know what is true about me? And Christian, this is not just a salvation question. It is primarily a salvation question, but it is not just or it is not simply a salvation question. This question is posed to us every moment of our Christian life, isn't it? It is one thing to answer the big question right. He is God and he is the Savior I need. But it is another thing entirely to say at every crossroad of temptation that he is God and his word is true and to humbly submit to his will and his way. To live for him and to not try to avoid the rocks and roots of Christian discipleship that are inconvenient and difficult, but to trust him and to marvel at his grace and his wisdom and to simply admit in the moment, I believe Help my unbelief.